This morning we continue our series that we began last week, Make Today Count. Let me begin with this statement to you. We need to listen to the voice of reason that comes into our hearts and our minds. You and I, whether we'll admit this or not, can be our very worst own enemies. We don't need anyone else to make that happen with the decisions that we make. We are responsible for 100% of every decision that, that we make. Every day, we're the ones individually that make answers to all the questions that come our way. And every day, you and I are bombarded with choices that will change the trajectory of our day and of our future. We can talk ourselves into things pretty easily. And often we talk ourselves and justify things that we do that are far from God. A few years ago, there was a video that was put together where children were asked to make a decision to say no to something. Look how difficult it was for them. Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you two, another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. leave and then I'll come back okay so you can either eat it right now or you can wait either way okay okay how'd you do did you do good you did yeah. you wanted to eat it didn't you yeah so did I tell you to give you another one okay now you can have both you need them. <laughs> we, we have decisions to make every day just like those. And we must listen to the voice of reason. We're going to jump in the middle of a narrative in the Old Testament where a man had a chance to blow it or not blow it. Grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24. And we're going to read verses 1 through 4. As you're turning there, I ask you to stand. We're going to stand together here in the auditoriums and at home as you're watching and joining in. 
Let's read this out loud together. 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 through 4. Would you read it with me? Ready, read. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. You may have a seat. Let me begin by saying this statement and let you think on it for a moment or two. What seems ideal isn't often the best deal. What seems ideal to us to do often isn't the best deal for us to do. Let me pull away and set some background because it's so important to the understanding what David was dealing with here with Saul. Saul is the very first king of Israel. And so now he is king of Israel. And while he's king of Israel, Samuel the prophet comes to David and anoints him to be the next king of Israel. David, who had just previously killed Goliath, is well known in the the country. And so, in fact, not only is he well known, he's well liked in the country. Saul, on the other hand, the country, the people of the country don't have as much favoritism towards him. David marries Saul, King Saul's daughter. So while King Saul is king, that is also David's father-in-law. His daughter, Saul's daughter, Michael, is now the wife to David. So that makes the situation even more complex. Saul, the father-in-law, is wanting to kill his son-in-law, who is the husband of his daughter, Michael. It is a very tumultuous time for Saul. He is a very jealous man because they would have chants that was being repeated in the cities that Saul and David were in. When people saw Saul, they would chant and sing, Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed ten thousands. So literally, the top 40 of the day had a song that went something like this, oh, Davy, he's so fine, he's so fine, he blow my mind, hey, Davy. And Saul, that's good preaching, by the way. And Saul, Saul heard that. Day after day, David, he's killed 10,000s and Saul's only killed thousands. So not only didn't he want him to be king, he detested him. But to make the situation any more complex, it's his son-in-law. And so if he kills his son-in-law, he has to deal with his daughter's pain. So let's pick up from there and look again. Look what's happening in verse one. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul, the father-in-law, the king, took 3,000 able young men from all of Israel and set out to look for David, his son-in-law, and the men near the crags of the wild goats. And it says in verse three, He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. 
So picture, if you can, this scenario. The men had been in the cave for a while. So their eyes had adjusted to darkness. It, he was far back in the cave. And if you look at the terrain that's here during this time, there were often these level platforms, we would say like a stage area on the side of the mountain, and there were rocks or crags along the edge. And so shepherds would bring their sheep in, and they would place their sheep on these crags on the side of the mountains, and the shepherd himself would become the gate. He would lay at the entrance of this opening so that the sheep couldn't get out. If they tried to get out, they had to step over the shepherd. So as Saul's men are searching this area, they came to this cave, which was on the backside of this crag area. David's men, 600 of them, were hiding back in the cave. So it says Saul, he had to go to the bathroom. So he walks into this cave, and at the far end of this back of this cave are 600 sets of eyeballs. Saul couldn't see them. But the men were like, David, it's Saul. God just teed it up for you to slit his throat and become king. So while David sees him and Saul is relieving himself, it says this in verse four. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Can you feel the tension in this cave? David's men quietly are saying, get up, get up, get up. And David has to listen to them, but also listen to the voice of reason. Can you feel the tension in the cave? Have you ever been there? Imagine the conversation going on in his head. Should I take him out? But while he was thinking about that, he was thinking, he's still the king. He's my father-in-law. And while I've been anointed to be king, there is this tension in my heart that I can't just dismiss. The moment you and I begin to sell your, have to sell yourself on an idea is the time to hit the pause button. Think about that. How many times have you had to sell yourself on doing something? when you knew that this thing you were trying to sell yourself on was also up against this conviction of the Holy Spirit that said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Always remember, the devil will always give you plenty of opportunity to justify your sin. How do we do that? Here's what we do, here's what you do. You have this idea and you want to do it, will you? You start lobbying out this idea, and sometimes it's on social media. I was thinking about doing this. This happened to me, and so we lob out these ideas, and we're just hoping that someone will grab a hold of it and say, do it! We're trying to sell ourselves on something that shouldn't be sold to ourselves. We're just hoping that someone will catch it and circle back around and say, that's a good thing. 
The text also says in the second part of verse four that while Saul was in the cave relieving himself, David crept up unnoticed and cut a piece of his robe. By the way, he must have had a sharp knife (laughs) to be able to do that, wouldn't he? He was a shepherd. He knew how to take lions and kill bears and he probably knew how to use a knife. He took Goliath's head, slid it off his body and put it on a platter and took it back. But he crawls through the cave and his men are probably watching, thinking, this is a moment. And he goes up and he just takes a corner of his robe off of him. And he crawls back to his men and shows them what he has. Watch what happens to his heart after cutting off a corner of the robe. Verse five, afterward, after what? After he cut off a corner of the robe, David was what? Two words, what's your Bible say? Conscious what? Stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. At this greed, David, And his intention was to prove his innocence, but his integrity filled his heart with guilt. Because what? Not every opportunity that comes your way is yours to take. Here's the way I would say it. If there is tension in your heart, then you must pay attention to the tension. If there's tension in your heart, then you must pay attention to the tension. That small voice, that nagging greed that you're feeling, that the spirit saying no, that tension that David was feeling, he needed to pay attention and you and I need to pay attention to the tension that we deal with. You will never shake that tension until you do the right thing. Back to the story. Look at verse six. David said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Verse seven says, with these words, David sharply did what to his men? What's your Bible say? Rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. I mean, how could this be wrong? David was anointed to be king. Wasn't this the time the Lord had set it up for him? How did he know it wasn't time? Because he had this tension that wouldn't leave his heart. But always keep in mind, the lesser of two evils is still evil. That's why he was conscience stricken. He could have come back and said, I didn't kill him. I just, I could have, look, I had my chance. The lesser of two evils is still evil. And so him doing this, cutting the corner of the robe off of Saul was still an evil act. David squelches the enthusiasm of his 600 men in the cave because there was this quiet celebration that was about to take place. And David looks at him and said, the Lord forbid that I should touch my master. 
He rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. They must have had their knives, knives pulled, their swords out. They were ready just to take him out. And David said, don't you dare touch the king of Israel. The text says, Saul left the cave and went his way. We have a tendency when making bad decisions to want to find a just cause in our actions. Yet we must realize that we have participated in all of our wrong decisions and we are personally at fault for all of them. We must answer for all of our own decisions. The hesitation that made no sense to David's men now makes perfect sense to them. God doesn't need David's help to make him king of Israel. And if God has promised to do something for you and me, he will follow through without you and me having to circumvent to make it happen. Doing the right thing is always the right thing to do. David's stricken conscience kept him from becoming his own worst enemy. How many of you would like to have a redo in moments where you blew past that hesitation you were feeling. Human minds are always trying to see how much we can get away with, but the integrity of the heart says, I don't want to be part of that, even if that means I lose out on this. Truth is this, wanna wanna hear truth? We can be better salesmen to ourselves than we can to anybody. Yeah, that's a good idea. You should do that. Look, they did that to you and boy, you worked hard and it's your time and it's not their time anymore and they wrote that about you and man, just satisfy. You've been, you, you've been doing good for so long. One time won't hurt. We can sell ourselves all kinds of bad things. So why was this wrong? Why was it wrong for David to cut a corner off of Saul's road? because he was the Lord's anointed, because it made the king look bad. Can you imagine David as he stands out a few verses later and says, Saul, I had my chance, and all of his men are like, you're the king and you let someone creep up on you and cut off your robe? It was wrong because it wasn't David's place to get even. And cutting his robe, listen to me, was the first step to murdering him. Cutting off Saul's robe was an act of physical and spiritual vandalism. It was an attack on Saul and his right to be king. Every habit that you and I have, whether good or bad, begins with a first-time decision. Make sure the first time is a good one. Say yes to the right yeses. What happens next is almost a scene out of Hollywood. Look at verse eight. It says, then David went out of the cave and he called out to Saul. And he says this, look what he says. My Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? It's a defining moment because 
he lays down in an act of humility, lays prostrate before him with the corner of his robe in hand, and he asks him the question. He says, he basically says, prostrate him towards his face, why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? Imagine how this could have ended up had David not listened to that nagging hesitation in his heart. Imagine years from now as his grandkids come to him and they say, Grandpa, tell us the story about how you became king. Imagine him having to say to them, well, we were traveling on the toll road one day. We're leaving Indiana and we were traveling east and we stopped at the toll plaza and, and, we're, and we were getting away. And, and so we, we went into the, the rest stop and we went into the rest stop. We all went into the bathroom and you would not believe it. While we were there, Saul, kids, Saul came in and he walked up to the urinal he was in the very place that we were in. And I walked over and took a knife and slit his throat and I was the king. What's wrong with that story? That's what it would have been. Yet we know from scripture it was completely different because he had integrity of heart and he was conscience stricken. And he says, I don't even want to be a little bit part of this. Cutting Saul's robe was the first act to a very, very, very potential bad place that he could find himself in. David almost murdered the first king of Israel. He was so close. It's like that opening video that we had. David was so close to taking a bite and giving in. The temptation to listen and ignore the conscience that was saying don't do it was almost too much for him. He was so close and I wonder how many of you are so close when tax time comes to fudge on your taxes. I wonder how many of you are so close to compromising on your integrity. I wonder how many of you are so close to taking that next step in that adulterous relationship. I wonder how many of you are so close to opening up that website that you shouldn't be on. I wonder how many of you are so close to selling yourself short of God's best for you. I wonder how many of you are so close to believing a lie that you have made up to satisfy your flesh. I wonder how many of you are so close to taking a step in the opposite direction that God wants you to go in. David was so close to wrecking everything. Watch what happens after he speaks to his father-in-law in verse 10. It says, this day you have seen, David said to Saul, with your own eyes, how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, 
Yeah, my 600 men. But I spared you, I said. I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See my father, that tenderness he said to his father-in-law. Look at this piece of your robe. Can you picture him? He's standing at the edge of the cave. Saul's men didn't know David's. He says, look, I was so close to murdering you. Read on as he holds up the corner of the robe. Some urge me to kill you, but I spared you. I will not lay my hand on my father. Look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. Saul had been trying to kill him for months. Please, always remember this. Don't allow someone else's bad behavior to become an excuse for your own bad behavior. (laughs) Just because they did it to you doesn't give you reason to do it to them. Just because they withheld from you doesn't mean you withhold from them. Just because they didn't give grace doesn't mean you don't give grace. Just because they said words about you and gossip doesn't mean you gossip about them. Just because you didn't get what you want from them doesn't mean you withhold from other people. Don't let someone else's bad behavior become an excuse for your own bad behavior. I think it's important to turn back and to look how Michael responded earlier in their marriage for David. Turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 19. And turn back with me and look at 1 Samuel chapter 19 and look at verse 11. And keep your finger here in chapter 24. Look at verse 11. Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. There it is. Saul was coming after David. He sent men to David's house, which is his son-in-law's house, which is his daughter's house. He sent men to kill him in the morning. But Michael, Saul's daughter, David's wife, warned David, if you don't run for your life tonight, tomorrow you will be what? What's your Bible say? Killed. So Michael left David, let David down through a window, and he fled and escaped. Then Michael took an idol, laid it on the bed, covering it with a garment, and putting some goat's hair at its head. Can you picture what's happening here? She knew the men were coming, so she took the bed that David normally sleeps in, laid a long idol in it, took some goat hair on the pillow and covered it up, so when they walked into the room, it looked like David was sleeping. Watch what she says when they finally get there. Verse 14, when Saul sent the men to capture David, Michael said, he is what? What's your Bible say? He is ill. Then Saul sent the men back to see David and told them, bring him up to me in his bed so I may what? (laughs) Like he didn't care if he was sick. I'll just kill him when he's sick. In other words, take the bed out of the house with David still in it. Watch what happens next. But when the men entered, there was the idol in the bed, and at the head was some goat's hair. Saul said to Michael, his daughter, why did you deceive me like this and send my enemy, my son-in-law, away that he escaped? Michael, his daughter, said to him, let me 
get away. Why should I kill you? It's a pretty tender moment here because previously David was trying to be killed by his own father-in-law and he's asking his father-in-law, what have I done to deserve this death sentence you placed on my life? When it comes to revenge, God is much better at it than we can ever be. So our perspective can be clouded and our judgment faulty. He saved his marriage from collateral damage. I want you to think with something. How many of you have been so close to doing something and you got so close and you were so tempted that you gave in And that one decision has had rippling collateral damage on all the relationships around you. This one fleshly desire ruined everything. Read on with me and watch how this story unpacks. Verse 11 says, see my father, look at this piece of the robe. Verse 12, may the Lord judge between you and me, David said, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will never touch you. David wasn't shy about pointing out the truth to Saul. He clearly told Saul, his father-in-law, you have wronged me. Others in the midst of hurrying to reconcile often overlook the importance of the fact that wrong has been done by someone. We should address that with that person. We shouldn't just let it go. David didn't seek revenge because he did not want to descend to Saul's level. The saddest part about getting even is that it makes you a perpetual victim of the person you hate. When you give in to your temptation to get even, your enemies have won twice. You never win with personal revenge. So watch what happens next in this story. David comes up with his old saying. They even had old sayings then. As the old saying goes, from evil doers comes evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. Listen to the voice of reason. Listen to the quiet whisper of the spirit. We rarely have to sell ourselves on a good idea. Isn't that true though? Like how often do you have to convince yourself about something that you know you should do and is what God would want you to do? It doesn't take much spinning or selling. You don't have to sell yourself on the idea because you don't have this nagging, stricken conscience. It's like, yeah, let's do it. And the truth is this, how do you know when it's a good decision? When your conscience is clear? When God gets glorified? When you can feel good about doing this? When there's no tension or nagging at your heart? And when you don't have to keep lobbying your idea and throwing it out there on social media to people, hoping someone grabs it, yeah, I would do that too. When you can make that decision without any reservation. Watch what happens next in verse 14. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing, David said? A dead dog? A flea? 
May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me into your hand. He wanted what God wanted, not what his flesh wanted. He handed his path to the throne, to the sovereignty of God. Verse 16, when David finished saying this, Saul asked, is that your voice, David, my son? A tender moment. And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. This had to be an unbelievable moment for both armies. 600 of David's men and thousands of of Saul's men. David sharing his heart to his father-in-law, prostrate on the ground, and now Saul weeping aloud and say, you are the better man. Your integrity is earned in the bucketfuls and lost in a teaspoon. Let me explain that for a second. In this bucket is a bucketful of integrity. And if I had more buckets... It takes hours and hours and decision after decision after decision for us to build integrity. We can't just make one decision and say, I'm a woman of integrity. I'm a man of integrity. It takes bucketfuls and bucketfuls and bucketfuls till someone will finally trust you. It takes sometimes months and a lifetime of godliness and faithfulness and integrity for someone to say, that person is a person of integrity. It takes bucketfuls for people to trust you. But it only takes one teaspoon to throw it all away. It only takes us getting too close and taking a bite for us to take all those years and hours and months of integrity, one teaspoon will throw it all away. You cannot build back that integrity in one decision. It takes lifetime to have bucketfuls. So the question is this, is it worth it? David was willing to be a man after God's own heart and because he did, his integrity stayed intact. Watch what happens next in verse 19. When a man finds his enemy, does he not let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today, David's heard from Saul. Verse 20, I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from among my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. 
Way too many Christians. Way too many Christ followers. Sell themselves short of God's best for their lives with one teaspoon of a poor decision. Is it really worth throwing it all away for just one bite, one moment, one night, one hour? Is it really worth it to have collateral damage to everyone because you got too close and were willing to let one teaspoon throw it all away? David said something in this text in verse six that's applicable to us today. The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. He was so close to selling, to spinning, to contemplating, contemplating and becoming his own worst enemy and ignoring the tension that would not live. Listen to me. When there is tension, pay attention to the tension so that you can land on the right side of the decision. Let me ask you some questions. Are you selling yourself short of God's best for you? Are you listening to the right voice? Are you still lobbying out your ideas with hopes that someone will say that's a good idea and you are denying the tension? Give attention to the tension. Listen to the voice of reason. Oh God, help us. Many of us are so close. Many of us have our eyes glued to the temptation. But God, help us to not take a bite and help us to continue to build a life of integrity and not throw it all away with just one small teaspoon. Please, God, search our hearts. God, we offer our hearts to you. And the only way we can become what you've designed us to be and what you have in store for us is to let you guide our hearts. Help us to be people who listen to the voice of reason. In Jesus' name, amen.